You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln Audio Podcast. How are you guys doing? All righty. You sure? Okay. Well, good to see you all. It's good to be here. I, um, I am honored to be here and, and, and looking forward to sharing with you this morning. Uh, you know, I've been with this congregation before. It was a number of years ago when you guys were at the Y. So it's been a few years and you've, um, you know, you've upgraded your, your digs quite a bit here. Um, this is very nice. And so we've been talking about you a lot in, on the council and praying for you and praying for what God was doing, what God wants, wants to do here. And we've been hearing a lot of wonderful things about it. So um, excited to be here and excited to be with you today. Um, and uh, just tell you a, a little bit about me. Um, Lisa told you, I guess, a, a few things. And um, like I said, served on the council for a while, which was which was wonderful. Um, I'm married to Carol and have four kids. They're they're over here. Um, they probably want to stand up and wave or sing a song or something. <laughs> they love the spotlight to be on them. They just it's what they do. Um, and um, and we've been here for we've been in, in in North Carolina for about eight years. And we we prior to this we were living in Oregon uh, for about 15 years. And so. We thought we would be out there for two. My wife and I are kind of adventurous, and we thought we'd wander out west, um, and I'd gotten a job with Nike. And the two years turned into 15 years and four kids. So (laughs) as you know, sometimes we have a plan, and then God has a different plan, and that's fine with me. Um, And then uh, about eight years into our time out there, I actually ended up working at a church. I was serving on a staff um, at a church, so... Um, and similar to this, uh, I was at a campus, a new campus location of a, of a church out there. So we were able to help them build the foundation of it, do wonderful things like um, sit up chairs and tear them down. Anybody know about that? Um, so that's a real faith tester. Um, but we, we hung in there. And uh, now they, too, have a wonderful building. They have a, a gym that they purchased and that they're in now. So um, it's all good. So we, well, we're happy to be here with you. We we love Grace. We've been a part of it, like I said, for seven years, and it has been a wonderful journey. We, um, we, uh, we, um, yeah, we, we love Grace. We, we always feel at home, I guess is what I was going to say. Um, and even here, coming here, being here, part of you guys today just feels like one big family. We always say that it's one church in three locations, um, and it feels that way as you move from one uh, location to another. So, um, Thanks for having us this morning. But before I go any further, let's, let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you for uh, this morning. Thank you for the worship and for what you've done and what you're doing, how you're speaking in our lives and uh, allowing us, Lord God, to, to, to be here and to worship you. We thank you for it. And we pray, God, that you would now um, allow your word to be communicated very clearly. Um, I pray that you would open our hearts to hear what you would have to say to us today. Um, we thank you. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, about um, well, when we when we first when, during our early years in Oregon, my wife and I um, were having our first child, and um, it was a, a blissful time. Um, as you, as many of you know who are parents here, when you have your first child and you're early in your marriage, it can hopefully it's a wonderful time, um, as it was for us. And and in that season, we were also purchasing a home and so we were looking for our first house and we looked around at lots of different homes and we stumbled upon one that we really liked and it was a cute little ranch house in a little town called 
Hillsboro, which looks a lot like where we are today, um, quiet little little neighborhood. Everything was wonderful about it, and uh, and there were lots of things we loved about the house. It was a great little house, and we ended up staying there for a while. But one thing in particular that we loved about it was this garden um, that was behind the house. So um, we looked at the house; everything was cool. We looked through the back window; we see this amazing garden. And um, we were like, wow, this is so beautiful. It looked like something you'd see in a magazine. It was so well taken care of. And so we decided to get the house. Um, and, and even through that process, we ended up meeting the people that owned the homes. And um, it turned out that they were a retired pastor and his wife. And, and they, they walked us through the home and told us all the wonderful things about the house. Um, they had a manual this thick, probably, of all the things, um, and you could tell that they cared for it very carefully. And then they walked us out and told us about the garden and told us about all the flowers. And my wife's from New York, and um, and, I, and I grew up here in North Carolina, but hadn't done a lot of gardening or anything. But we were just excited to have this home in this beautiful garden. And so we have our son, and as many of you know, when you have a, a, your first child, like kind of life gets kind of crazy, right? Not for y'all? Oh, okay. Our life got, was kind of crazy. And it was like just trying to, to take care of him. Um, and I, w- I told the earlier service, and I'll tell it now because it'll embarrass him. Um, I, was, I said that, you know, when you have your first child, you know, you're like, you get very protective and you take a lot of good care of him. And so we have lots of amazing, you know, memories and moments, you know, with him. But then after him came our twins. And so we, for like three years, we don't even remember that three years. Like, there are no pictures of them, no videos. We were in Target last night, and my wife and I were remembering those cute little outfits we would buy for our son. They had no cute little outfits, like nothing. Um, so we were just busy taking care of our son. And then spring comes, and it's time, you know, to go out of the house again. And, um, and so we, we, we look in the backyard, and our garden is starting to blossom and it's it's you know coming in and it's pretty again and and we we go out there I go out there into to the garden and I and I realized it was like nice but it didn't quite look like it did when the couple that gave us the house you know it was thicker you know um, there were some things going on that didn't look quite right and so I saw this one flower I went to grab it and it pricked me and it um, I punctured my finger it was like a prickly flower I came to call that one the devil flower um, because it it was it was not kind to me, but uh, it turned out that um, a lot of those flowers were weeds. <laughs> Who knew that gardens grow weeds? Um, and so I thought of that story as I thought of this uh, this passage of scripture that we were we were going to be in today, and in this book that we're going to be in. Because we're going to be studying on uh, the book of Galatians for the next six weeks, you'll be studying Galatians and. Um, I'm going to introduce it some to you today, but we'll be going over it for the next five weeks. And I thought about this story and our experience with gardening because essentially at a high level what was happening in Galatia and with the Galatians was that they, they had heard the gospel, they had been preached the good news, they had received the gospel, but there were some folks that had come to tell them a different kind of gospel and had added some things to the gospel and and those things started to take root and to grow up in and amongst them and it created a lot of confusion with them it was like weeds had grown up in the church and Paul who wrote Galatians wanted to warn them that they were not uh, being exposed to the truth any longer that they were buying off and receiving a lie 
And so he, in this book of Galatians, encourages them to remember the faith that they first accepted and to, and to get back on course and to get back on track and to believe in the Christ that they had received in the beginning. And that's essentially the tone of the book. Um, and, and a lot of the books that, and letters that Paul wrote in the New Testament, there's a lot of uh, a cordial, familial feeling to them. He gives these amazing greetings. He tells them how much he loves them and misses them and wants to be around them. And then you get to Galatians and you hear sort of this stern voice. You hear this, this concerned fatherly figure that something is not right. And, and so you don't get a lot of that cordial greeting. You just get Paul sort of getting to the point you know, very early on um, in the book, and rightfully so, because there was a lot at stake here. These new baby believers, these Christians that um, were being exposed to this new faith, um, were, were veering off the course. And, and I think another point of distinction to remember as you hear these sermons over the next few weeks, um, as I, in, in, to, in terms of introducing this, is that, you know, they didn't have what we have today. They didn't have this. You know, we, we have a Bible. We, we've, we've seen movies. We hear stories. We, we hear lots of sermons. We, we get pretty well indoctrinated into the scriptures. But they didn't, they didn't have that. They were, they were new. There was no printed Bible for them to follow along. They had this letter from Paul. They had some, some guys that came to town and shared this new faith with them that some of them believed in and that they followed. But they were, in essence, building the foundation of what we now know as the church. And because of their foundation, you know, we are here today. So I, I say Paul was very firm with them and stern with them and rightfully so. But I also understand the context that they were in. Uh, one of the other things that you should know about the, the folks in this region of Galatia, which is modern day Turkey, by the way, what you should know about them is that they were quick to believe things as people would come and present them. So they were kind of the early adopters to whatever the next thing was. And so they had a reputation for this. Um, so that's one of the reasons I believe that they grasped this other gospel so quickly. And then one of the other things I think that's important to note about them is that they were they were Gentiles, not Jewish believers. Most of them were Gentiles. So what does that mean? That means that they didn't grow up with God and the faith of even the Jewish traditions. Um, they would have grown up with what I would call little G God. So pagan worship and all kinds of, of other types and other forms of worship would have been what they, had, that, what they were familiar with and what they had known. So being someone coming and preaching something else wouldn't have seen that probably that strange to them. And they, of course, went ahead and adopted it. But one of the things I wanted to make sure that we heard today loud and clear, and one of the things that Paul wanted them to know, is that there is one door, there is one door that we must all go through if we want to be truly free, which is the title of our sermon series, Be Free. If we truly want to be free, we've got to go through one door, and that one door is Jesus Christ. To truly have a relationship with God the Father, it has to come through His Son, Jesus Christ. Uh, that is where life began. That is where we establish true meaning, and that's where we create the opportunity to have an eternal life with the Father. One door, one path, one way, Jesus Christ. As we look at our notes today, it says the book of Galatians is the Apostle Paul's correction of a critical issue that was pivotal in the early church that brings us the great freedom we enjoy 
in Christianity. And one of the questions we have to ask ourselves is, um, is faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior the only prerequisite to salvation? Is it the only prerequisite that we need? Or is obedience to certain Old Testament Jewish laws um, also um, needed in order for us to gain salvation in Christ? There's a word that goes in that blank, and I'm going to tell you in a second. Required. Is there, is, there a, is there another requirement that we need following the law? Is that also part of it? Well, as we look through the first nine verses of Galatians chapter 1, we find out, and, and emphatically so, that we would argue, or that the scriptures argue, that there is only one prerequisite to have a relationship with God, and that is Jesus Christ. So embracing Jesus Christ's provision brings freedom. It brings freedom from our past. It brings freedom from the law. And it brings freedom to serve our Lord. That's also a part of it is a freedom now to serve God. We serve him out of a love and a, and a, and a, a response to what he's done in our life. But this conflict that was presented in Galatia and in, with the Galatians was brought on by these folks, the Judaizers. Um, interestingly, you don't really hear that word a lot in scriptures. It's only really mentioned here. Um, but it was a group of folks that had taken upon themselves to say, in order for you to really have a relationship with, Je- with God, you do need Jesus, but you also need some of these Old Testament laws as well, like circumcision being one of them. Now, why you'd want to add laws to something that God said is free and easy, I'm not sure, but they came up with this notion, and now they were preaching it um, amongst the folks at Galatia, and they were buying into it. So these Judaizers convincing Christians that they needed more. But there were some things that Paul told them right here in these early verses that they needed to really be aware of that was going to, if they did, weren't careful, going to trip them up. And one of them was that um, we see in verse 6 and 7 it says that they were deserting the grace of God. They were deserting the grace of God. Verse 6 says, I am astonished that you were so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, that you are deserting this grace, this free gift that Jesus Christ has given you. The second thing he he wanted them to know is that he said that they're perverting the grace of God. Evidently, some of you are throwing, or some people are throwing you into confusion, verse 7 says, and they're trying to pervert this gospel, distort it, bring in error within the truth, perverting it. And lastly, he said that because of that, you are reverting, you're reverting or you're going back to living in the flesh and on your own ability. So they would have not really known a lot about the law. So they may have thought, hey, this is like some some addition to what we already heard, this gospel. But Paul says, oh, no, this is reverting back to the old way of doing things. When Christ came, he came to set us free from that. He is the fulfillment of the law. He is the embodiment of it. He actually takes us away to free us up from that. Don't revert back to that way of living. So what is the solution? The solution is the gospel. The Apostle Paul was calling this Galatian church back to the gospel, this free gift of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. Um, this free gift that we have, that if we receive him into our hearts, that we become connected with God forever. 
Jesus Christ is the sinless Son of God, which made him the only suitable sacrifice, the only one that could pay for our sins. And if you look at 1 Corinthians 15, 3-8, you'll get a clear picture of what the gospel is. But Jesus took on the sin of humanity that we might become the righteousness of God. So Jesus, in this gift of grace and in, in the gospel and salvation, he took on humanity, our sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God. So what does that mean? That means when God looks at me, he doesn't see me and Greg and all of my, my mess and my stuff. He sees God, Jesus Christ and his righteousness that has been draped on me, that has been put on me. That is one of the greatest liberating thoughts that I can think of. It's almost like a, a too-good-to-be-true kind of deal, right? He takes our sin and gives us righteousness. And all we have to do is believe and trust in him with our life. A too-good-to-be-true deal. About a, a month or so ago, I got one of those little things in the mail where um, you know, we get the envelopes with the coupons. And one of them said that I could get um, cable TV again for $29. And so we're cord cutters, so we didn't have any cable and I said $29 that's a really good deal there was like a list of channels this long that you get for the $29 and so I called the I called them up I won't I won't, I won't say the name of the company to keep them innocent <laughs> keep the get the guilty innocent um, I, I called up the cable company and I um, told the lady I was interested in getting the $29 deal she said great you know you can get the $29 deal she started asking me some questions I answered the questions um, and she went away for two minutes, and I knew, I said, this is probably not a good sign. <laughs> so she comes back, and she, she says, oh, you're going to get this, you're going to get this, you're going to get these channels, you're going to get this box, and that, everything. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be amazing. And she said, and it's going to be $138 a month. <laughs> and I said, well, how is it that the, the uh, $29 deal is $138? And this is what the lady on the phone said to me. She said, sir, usually when the deal is... Too, looks too good to be true. It is too good to be true. <laughs> I couldn't believe what I was hearing. And I said, is this call being recorded for quality assurance? Because <laughs> I think you're going to lose your job if it is. <laughs> but this salvation that we have in Jesus Christ, this grace, this wonderful gift of the gospel, it, it seems too good to be true. That someone would love us so much that they would want to die for our sins and free us up to have a relationship with God. Something that had plagued humanity from the beginning of humanity. He would put all of that on himself and take all of that on for us. It's a too good to be true deal, but it is, in fact, true. And that is what Paul was trying to help these Galatians see then and what, he, what the scriptures is trying to help us see now that it actually is um, true that this is actually something that is real and alive in our life and the last such bullet there it says salvation for mankind is provided by Jesus and is possible because of grace through faith that is nothing that we have done ourselves, but it is this gift. Ephesians 2.8 says, It is by grace that you have been saved through faith, not that of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. In our human um, capacities, a lot of times we want to one-up one another. We want to be at the top of the 
list. We want to be ahead of anybody. But, but God says there is none of that in his economy. There is none of that in his kingdom. He says this salvation, it is a gift. I give it, I give it to you. There's nothing you can do to earn it. And Paul wanted us to be very clear about that point. Um, and, I, and I'm glad that there's nothing that we can do to earn it. Um, so what does this mean for us today as I, as I wrap this up? What does this mean for us today? One of the things it means is that Jesus Christ has fulfilled the law and opened the way to salvation by grace. He's opened and fulfilled. Um, so do not think that I've come to abolish the law, he says. I've not come to abolish them, but I came to fulfill them. I've came to make it possible so that you don't have to live out the 600 plus Old Testament Jewish laws. Because once you break one of them, you're guilty of all of them. So he says, I've come to fulfill them so that you won't have to. The other thing that it means for us today is that we can live free from the additional demands to gain salvation. We can take a deep breath, a sigh of relief. We can know today in full assurance that we are saved, that we are in the family of Christ. And that no matter what we've done in the past, no matter who we've hurt or how we've been hurt, no matter where we've gone or what we've done, he said that we can be live free to know that whatever the demands that we may have placed on ourselves or others have placed on us, that those demands are all fulfilled and we can gain salvation through Jesus Christ. Isn't that the good news this morning? Amen. And lastly, it says grace doesn't oppose effort, but it does oppose earning. Grace doesn't oppose effort, but it does oppose earning. So what does that mean? Because of this grace, it doesn't mean that there isn't still a call for us to serve one another, to serve in a ministry, to serve in our communities, to, to, to proclaim the gospel to others so that others would know there is a call that we have to serve and to give. So it doesn't oppose that effort. That's not what we're talking about this morning. But it does oppose this whole idea that we earn it. And so maybe someone in this room today is thinking, well, how could God love someone like me? Or maybe you might be caught in a cycle where you feel like I need to do stuff so that God will love me more. But here's the good news this morning. God will never love you more or less than he does right now. And he loves you a lot. And there's nothing that we do. We just showed up. And, and, and he fell in love with us. In Psalms 139, it says, Before the foundation of the world, he knew us and he had a plan for us. And that his desire was for us. And it is still for us. This God that never changes still wants us. He still yearns for us. He still longs for us. And all of that is brought about because of this wonderful Savior that we have, Jesus Christ. So we can be free. We are free. So are there Judaizers today? Are there those that are going around saying that there's Christ plus something else? Um, probably. Um, there are churches, I'm sure. There are ministers, there are pastors. There are probably folks that sort of try to weave in some of the law into this whole notion of grace because it's hard in some ways to grasp that it could be that easy, that it could be that free. But I would argue that there are Judaizers in other ways in our society today. I believe there are folks that want to say, well, this Jesus stuff is antiquated. Um, you know, I don't know that I need him. You know, things are going pretty good for me. 
Maybe they build faith around things and possessions and, and, um, and, and doing good works, doing good acts. We, we probably see some of those themes, those anti-Christ themes in movies. Um, we hear it in the public conversation, in the, in the public square. So no, we wouldn't call them Judaizers, but I would say that there are a lot of things that are coming up against and confronting the gospel and saying that it's not as relevant to us as it used to be. And so I believe what the, the other thing that Paul is calling us to, those that have found this faith, is for us today in our world, in our communities, in our churches, in our jobs, in our homes, is for us to contend for this faith. For us to be as dogmatic and as clear as he was about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because this is what I know. There are people on your job and in your communities and in your homes that will never hear the name of Jesus unless you speak it into their life. And that's what we are called now to do. Because there are Galatians that responded to Paul's message and, and Ephesians and the folks at Ephesus and the, the folks at Colossae and the folks at Corinth, because they responded to the message, we are here today because they were brave enough and bold enough and stood for a faith that got a lot of them killed, actually. We are here today. We know about the gospel. And I believe Christ is calling us not to just take this free gift and to absorb it and to rest in it. All of that absolutely true. But he's calling us also also to share it with others. So so that we confront the Judaizers, the ideological um, uh, fallacies of our day that would tell us that this Christianity, this Christ that we serve isn't relevant anymore. How many of you know we need Christ more now maybe than ever? So that's our, that's our charge. That is our, the gift that we get to go and share with others. This is an amazing thing. And, and you know, people may not want to receive it. I've shared my faith with many people who were confrontational. Um, and Oregon is the least church state in the union. <laughs> like out of all 50. <laughs> but here's the thing about Oregon. You, you know who's for Jesus and who's not. There is no gray line. There's no middle ground. There's, there's like the fours and against. So I've talked to a lot of people who were not happy to hear about this good news. But this is what I know, that they need Jesus too. And, and I know that the Bible tells me that the word doesn't return void. So maybe they don't come to know him today. But at some point, someday, somehow, maybe they'll get to a place in their life where they'll remember that crazy guy that was talking about that Jesus guy and the hope that he had in, in him. And I would challenge us all to, to think that way today um, as, we, as we process and think through um, um, this message here. So that's what I have for you today. Um, I know that this study in Galatians is going to encourage you um, over the next few weeks. In fact, in your bulletin, there is a, uh, a little sheet here. It's called Be Free. Um, this is a devotional that you can walk through this week with yourself, with your family, um, to get more about what this study is going to be about, what this whole notion of being free is all about. Um, and you'll get a different one every week for the next six weeks. Um, and um, hopefully it'll, it'll encourage you. Um, if you would just stand with me, we'll, we'll close in prayer. If our prayer team could come forth. Today you may be one that um, may be struggling with this whole notion of freedom. Uh, maybe, maybe you've done some things or you've felt some things or you carry around a sense of guilt maybe about some things. And, 
And maybe you need to pray with someone about that today. It's not an uncommon thing. It is, it is quite common because I, I think sometimes it's hard for us to grasp this freedom that we have in Christ. Or maybe you're someone who's never said yes to Jesus Christ. So that means you've never really started living. You haven't started living yet. Because there is no life like the life that you have, would have in Christ Jesus. So there's, there's some folks up here that, who would love to pray with you. Um, or maybe there's something else going on in your life. Um, we'd love to just have a moment to share with you and, and just pray with you and to see how God might move um, through your circumstance. Uh, Father, we do thank you today. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the amazing gift that he is to us and, and the freedom, God, that we have in you. I pray that that freedom would stir us up to draw closer to you, to lean on you more, to want to know more about you. But it would also stir us up, God, to share that great gift with others. The Lord, that we would know that the same wonderful thing that you've done in our life that you want to do in, in the lives of others. And if there's one here today, God, or two or ten that do not know you, Lord, by your spirit, would you encourage them right now to, to say yes to you today? Let them know that today is their day and that you have a plan for their life that involves beginning with a, a receiving of Christ, but that has a, amazing things, Lord God, in front of them. So we thank you for that. God, I pray blessings over every family um, as we leave, that you would just continue to speak to our hearts uh, through this word, this book, Galatians, Lord God, help us and unpack it for us and let us know who you are through it, God. We thank you for these things. We bless you. In Jesus' mighty name, let us all say, Amen. Amen. God bless you all as you go. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.